Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the podcast card, it's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Uh, doing alright, I'd say. I, I, I've actually had a little bit more of a busy week than usual because I've actually had a few interviews this week. Nice. I had uh, a phone interview Tuesday, mor- uh, yeah, Tuesday morning and then I had an in-person that same day a few hours later and then like within actually the next morning on Wednesday morning I woke up to a phone call being from the one that I had the phone interview with being like hey uh could you come in for an in-person follow-up because they told me that they were interviewing eight people over the phone and that they were gonna have basically two finalists go in for the in-person nice so hoping to hear back if not tomorrow then Tuesday at the early at the latest they said to find out whether they picked me or not because uh having an income would be useful again <laughs> yeah absolutely yep I, uh, I guess I am fortunate in that my mom lined up a temp job for me at the doctor's office where she works. They're just going to have me doing filing and records retention and all that. At least you got something lined up, yeah. Yeah, it's something. It's going to be minimum wage, and it's, you know, vaguely aligned with library work. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, administrational. Yeah. But, uh... It sure is going to be fun working at the doctor's office where my mom has been telling her co-workers about her son for the past 15 years. Oh, this stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I mean, don't like get me to... wrong, she's better now, but that's not a thing that changed, like... Yeah. <laughs> Ho- hopefully she can, like, give a bit of a heads up to everybody before you start. That would be nice. And be like, hey, by the way... <laughs> been kind of avoiding this topic for a while but (laughs) Um, yeah that's that's always a fun thing i mean i think most of the folks at that office know i'm trans by now but i also don't know what they would call me so yeah (laughs) but no it's a set your own hours kind of gig so i don't have to worry about that i'm just gonna go at three in the morning and make sure i never see anyone (laughs) (laughs) did it would they actually let you do that I would need to get a key, but yeah. Huh. You get in at the middle, at, like basically, like you head out right from after we do a recording of this to go there. Pretty much, deal. yeah. And then you leave as soon as your mom shows up being like, alright, I'm out, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the catch is that it has to stay a part-time gig, so... Oh, yeah, it's like... like you... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as long as you're basically under... Uh, I always forget what they basically phrase full-time is as these days, because it's like 37 and a half hours, I think, is full-time nowadays, or... Two, so I some don't places, even know. I think, I think some places count 30 hours as full-time, which, no, that fucking isn't. I think it's 40 in Texas. Hmm. What's, uh, what's the minimum wage in Texas, by the way? Uh, I do not know, but last I was aware it was like 770-ish. Ugh. I'm actually looking this up at the moment. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> Yeah, 725. Jesus oh, Christ. even worse. That's kind of just what around the minimum wage in most states is, unfortunately. Still. And had not changed in like some like 20 fucking years. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, this fucking so, country. you know, it's not gonna be much, but at least it's a position that I can be doing while I try to get an actual job. Yeah, you, you at least will have some income. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm lucky, I can convince the doc to give me the, uh, what do you call it, um, letter for name change, because you have to have that in Texas. 
Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that gives you work there. You at least have a little bit of an easier in for that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's abusive position or whatever, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't really consider that to be abusive position. That's just like you just happen to know a doctor. And like It's still <laughs> the doctor's decision just because you happen to be a co-worker. Doesn't, I don't know. I would, I would, I guess I just consider that not to be as much of a like abuse of it, rather than like if it was like your own parent who was a doctor. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, to be fair, she is my aunt, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Now I think we wrap back into okay. Maybe this is a conflict of interest. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna tell y'all where this is, but yeah, this is yeah. this is a family business. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> a little easier to get a job when it's a family business, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. It um how do I put this? It's not like the easiest thing in the world to get a position at this office specifically because they are very small and cannot afford to have a lot of uh, yeah. uh people. Yeah, just but, like, we have a set budget. <laughs> just, yeah. unfortunately, even if we need more people, we just can't afford that many. But the guy who has been doing the job got a gig. Uh, he's got a degree in archaeology that he's been trying to get a position in for, like, five, six years now, and he finally got onto a dig, so... <laughs> just as I'm coming back, they opened it up, so... It's, uh, I'm not gonna lie, a little ominous that the last person to hold this position also had a master's degree and was stuck in it for six years. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of just the state of the U.S. at this point, isn't it, unfortunately? I guess like, so, yeah. Like, even having college degrees basically doesn't really attribute for a whole lot because, like, job postings arrive are basically, like, trying to claim their entry positions and then don't actually really hire anybody, or they're the kind that makes it sound like it would be entry position and then it always says like you need 10 years in this field and it's like how the fuck does anybody in this day and age get 10 years in this field and nobody's fucking hiring uh-huh. yep i'm not gonna lie i definitely have been applying for those jobs that are like we want at least five years of experience in this i don't have that i'm just applying anyway <laughs> i mean to be fair like unless they are willing to go through like decades of employment at different places how would they actually be able to learn that or not <laughs> well, I'm not telling them that I did it. You know, I'm not lying to them. I'm just applying even though I'm unqualified. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. kind of like how, like, whenever it comes to jobs that say, like, you need, like, a year of administrative experience, I basically put that down because, like, I technically only have a year as, like, an assistant administrative, like, job back in, <laughs> oh, God, a dec- over a decade ago now. <laughs> but it's, like, it's still there, and also I've worked enough, like, office jobs that I've had to like basically run the office by myself especially during COVID times so yeah. and like I round up <laughs> it's kind of similar to how I, how I say I was at my previous job in uh, North Carolina for two and a half years even though it's like kind of a little bit closer to two years four or five ish months depending yeah I, I think it was just I have like five full months but it's like it's easier to just round up and say two and a half and people are not going to look into that <laughs> yeah no too much work yeah <sighs> Yeah, no, so I've been preparing for the move, but also not doing anything, but also trying to find a job. It's been a very complicated week. 
It's like yeah. everything and nothing is happening simultaneously. Yeah, that's kind of just how it feels a lot of the time, especially when you're still looking for something after... I mean, th as of this recording, it's been over f like four and a half weeks since I lost my previous position just because the contract ended, and it's like... It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but also it feels like it's been way longer just because, like, most days it's like, well, kind of just sitting here hoping somebody reaches back to me with an interview opportunity. <laughs> yep. Done. <laughs> it's a hell world. <laughs> yep. Yay, 2023. The year that continues to just be really fucking weird and kind of miserable for everybody for some reason. It's one of those stupid transitionary years, I guess. I don't know. It's just mm -hmm. dumb and strange that it keeps being like, it's not just me that like shit keeps happening too, it's been other people too. And it's like, it's just so strange. Also, yeah. I'm just now realizing I have a little bit of a, uh, like a little bit of a bruise on my foot from where I dropped my like new bar soap on it. And I didn't realize it dropped that hard. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it doesn't hurt or anything. It's just that it's like, oh, uh, where'd that come from? I guess it's when I dropped the soap on my foot. <laughs> Hmm. It's fine. It'll go away in a few days. But yeah, no, it's like not not really a whole lot else going on with me at least. Like, it's mostly just been that stuff. I I at least uh, have some plans for next weekend at the least. Well, which makes you feel a bit bad because I'm gonna be having some like enjoyable weekend next weekend while you're busy fucking moving and stuff. <laughs> but uh. I mean, I at least have plans where my mom's actually going to come visit for the weekend because we're going to go to a Pride event on next Saturday, and then the day after, we're going to go get my ears pierced finally. Hey! Which is still pretty funny that my friends have brought up, like, oh, look at this weirdo jumping the line to get boobs for piercings, what the fuck? <laughs> You're trans and <laughs> wrong. You know, joking about it, obviously, but it's like, it was still pretty amusing. That's like, yeah, typically speaking, like, trans femme people in particular usually do get ear piercings like earlier on as like a like sell the way even if they're not like out and open and stuff before eventually sur between ever surgery and or time the boobs come in well, I got mine done in the fifth grade oh wow that's a long time ago <laughs> yeah it was it really was my sister is a few years younger than me and we were taking her to get hers done because she really really wanted it but she was also very, very afraid of how much it was going to hurt. And on the way, my dad kind of made this offhanded, sarcastic comment about how maybe I should do it first to show her how fine it was. And you were just like, fuck just yeah. Went, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no worries. And was at like, that Sir? point, he couldn't back out because it was his idea, so... <laughs> Too late. <laughs> just joking, being like, oh, why don't you start HRT to show them? It's uh, not at all scary. Sure. <laughs> kind of deal with yeah. I mean, I only did the one, and I still only have the one done, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, because, like, even, like, back in... That would have been, what, the 90s when you got that done? Uh, yeah, sure would. Yeah, like, even back then, it's, like, that was, like, still at least, like, one of those things where it's, like, oh, like, you see, like, even designs like Link, where it's, like, oh, like, hyper-masculine people sometimes have, like, the one earring, but if you, as soon as you go to two, and it's, like, well, all of a sudden, that's girl! <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why there's that distinction. <laughs> Does it count if it's two in the same ear? Because I don't think I'm girl, but... <laughs> I mean, uh... That depends. Because, like, I want to say even Ocarina Time Link, I think, had two piercing in one ear. I'm curious now. I need to, <laughs> I need to check this out. Because I know that was a thing that I distinctly remember. Like, that was, like, one of the first times I remember seeing, like, you know, like very... 
it's weird to say Link is super masculine because like Link usually has a history of being a bit of a twink, especially in uh, <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Well, I mean, he's uh, specifically designed to be androgynous, so... Yeah. Yeah, in this art, official artwork I see, he has the one in his right ear, but his, his head's off a little bit off to the side, so you don't see where it would be on the left ear, but it doesn't look like there's one there. Yeah. Trying to see... If... <laughs> Show Link from the other side! <laughs> yeah, young, young Link definitely does not, because he's like 10 or 12. Uh, oh, wait, uh, he does have one on the right ear in this picture. Well, okay. I guess he has two, huh. Because, like, I know, like, uh, Breath of the Wild Link has them in both ears, I'm pretty sure, just because I've, yeah. like, seen that multiple times just because of having played both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, which still making slow progress on, but, you know, again, there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know what it is about that in particular, and, like, especially from back then when it's, like, you know, again, one earring is what uh, boys could have and then two makes you girl or whatever but then it's like I feel like these days people just don't give a fuck mm -hmm. for the most part I, listen it it was a lot even back then I mean as a kid as a fifth grader I had so many people bothering me about whether mm -hmm. it was the gay ear or not mm -hmm. yeah I could see that kids, kids are assholes Oh, I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about family. Like, oh. my uncles and stuff. I mean, family can also be assholes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, it's a thing where it's like, I say kids are assholes. Kids these days, I feel like, are at least way more exposed to, like, a wide gamut of, like, gender presentation, so they aren't as bad. But kids can still be pretty cruel, just because, you know, they can just be that way at times. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the X-Files, I told you about that kid who's in my building, so... <laughs> I... Oh, right, yeah, 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 the little kid? Mm-hmm, yeah. Right, yeah. The evil girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, fun fact, though, uh, the gay ear is entirely regional, so in some places it's the right and some it's the left. So where I got it, it was not the gay ear, but where my uncles lived, it huh. was. So Weird. I, I've never heard of that being a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not actually a thing, right? It's not well, yeah, a real thing. Yeah. But I've never but... heard of it being, like, a regional thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, at, at, you know, growing up, it was always a case of, like, yeah, again, like, you know, you see occasionally, like, a boy portrait that has, like, one earring, but it it was, like, a case of, like, it didn't matter where, at least that's how I remember it, mm -hmm. but I didn't know it was, like, just, like, a, in certain, like, areas of, I, I can't say the world entirely because I don't know, but at least in the U.S., I didn't know it was, like, specifically, like, oh, if you have one in this year, in this part of wherever the fuck, it's, like, that's the girl year. <laughs> That's the gay ear. You got the, you got the queer in you now in your ear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, folks always. I don't think it's that common anymore. But back in the day, folks always used to say that it was like a code, right? Like handkerchief code or whatever. Right. That okay. whichever ear you got pierced in was an indicator to other gay men that you were gay. So, and that's yeah. not true. That's never been a thing. But regionally, the straight people say it's opposite ears. <laughs> Yeah, once again, the straights get to the side shit when they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. Well, once again, they're surrounded by an enormous conspiracy they can do nothing about. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, of course, yes, the trans agenda is the largest thing in the world, but also the small and weak and meek. Oh, isn't it always? Because they always portray us as being the big, scary enemy, but also a very small, easily defeatable force for some reason. Well, yes. I mean... Because it's always just tied to Nazism. <laughs> How could you not expect to beat us? I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm a tiny person. I'm, I'm only five whatever. Maybe oh, five yeah, four-ish. Yeah, you're 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 way shorter than me, uh-huh. <laughs> Surely a big strong man could kill me instantly. <laughs> this is not where I was expecting the preamble of the stuff to kill. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't, considering the episode we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, hmm. You're not wrong. <laughs> I do literally have parts in my notes about like, yeah, you'd you'd fully die, and then it's like, hmm. Well, I guess the episode ain't curse ain't a curse anymore, cause uh, the episode five was the one that shit happened in, huh? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I mean, also to be honest, I did after I watched these two, I had to watch the rest of uh, book three, and it's like, you know, shit just keeps spiraling out of control in the rest of this uh, season, anyway. Yeah, so, it sure does. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm interested that you went and watched the whole thing. That's I think that's going to be very. Yeah, I usually don't do that. Is the thing like, I mean, it certainly it certainly hasn't been the case with Animorphs because to be fair, there's just too much Animorphs there for me to continue reading that stuff. Yeah, well. But like even even when we were watching Shira, it's like I waited until like whatever we were actually getting to those like season finales to watch those, even if I was getting more invested. But also. Again, overall, I feel like both of us came off as Shira just being like, eh, it's kind of alright. <laughs> <laughs> mm, let's it. see. So, I mean, there's 60-ish Animorphs books left. I oh, Christ. <laughs> I can clear one in 15 minutes. So that's about four books an hour. So, what is that? Pats, it would only no. take 15 hours to Pats. get through the whole series. That's fine. Pats. No. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have 15 hours of free time this week. Surely no, that's a... Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll get there eventually. It's over the course of like five fucking years still. Uh, it's fine. I left all my paper copies at my parents' house, so I'll have to wait until next week when I'm back there. To... Yeah, but you have the, you've had the PDFs. Yeah, but I like paper better. True. Um... Yeah, I don't have a segue. Let's just talk about this show. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, we, we we had our like usual like obligatory doom and gloom about the state of America segment, and also like, yay, pride earrings. What the fuck is up with earrings in general from the nineties? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the earring stigma is a holdover from when people wanted to be straight and white and clean cut with no tattoos or markings on their body because that was perfect. Yeah, but fuck that. <laughs> exactly. I'm still waiting on my tax return. At least I found out what's going off my tax return. It was related to my name change slash name changes now. Okay. They actually, because apparently for some fucking reason, the IRS doesn't fully talk to the Social Security, so they didn't know that that had really happened. Because <laughs> I called them up because I was like, hey, it's been like four months since I submitted my taxes. What the fuck? And they were like, okay, we can see it's on here. We can see your names on record. It'll still probably take something like three months, though, unfortunately. Ugh. So it's like, yeah, they said, like, between 12 to 16 weeks, and it's like, well, at least I have at least something of a plan for that, because, like, I mean, it would have been very helpful to get 
that money during the time when I did not have an income, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, part of me still wants to just use it for what I wanted to, which was basically uh, more tattoos, but at the same time, I feel huh. like I should save it because I need to re-up some of my uh, savings for my, ideally, getting ZRS sometime next year. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. I've definitely got at least one more tattoo planned, and... I, that's um, the thing, I have too many. <laughs> I have too many ideas, because it's like, the one that still sticks out in my mind is I want to get, like, the my transversary as, like, as, like, uh, you know, dice faces, with, like, put in, the, like, the non-binary colors for the dice, because it's, like, you know, I have, it would be, like, three, uh, four dice between, like, the D12 to be 11, the D6 for the 3, the D10 for the 0, aka 10, basically. Yeah. And then the uh, the D20 for the Nat 20, because I started on November 11th, 2020. And then I would have the numbering, like, and, yeah, the numbers be in trans colors, whereas each die would be non-binary colors. <laughs> but I also know colors cost more money. <laughs> but it's like, I have, it's like, I have that idea, I have, like, two or three different Cineblade 3 ideas, because it's like, part of me is like, do I want to get, like, the, the death clock thingy on the titty like Uni has? Do I want to just get, like, the core crystal on the chest like Mio has? Such, slash Mia from Cineblade 2. There's a little bit too many ideas there. And then it's also <laughs> me being like, well, I also kind of still want to get the the Crest of Flames, like the logo of Fire Emblem Three Houses that Byleth has. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a physical tattoo. They basically just have a design of it just for the sake of it. But it's a neat logo. <laughs> I mean, if it helps at all, well, it's true that color does technically cost more. It's a matter of complexity more than anything. True, yeah. It, it is, that, that would mostly just be, like, more or less black outlines for the dice and everything, and then just, like, colors for the, le like the lettering and filling it in. Yeah, like, like Flappy didn't even cost 100 bucks once you translate it to U.S., so... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, even my, uh, my, like, lift, if I remember correctly, was, like, 80 and everything, and that's, again, just, like, a black outline, mostly geometric shapes, and it's not very large. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, uh, the other one that I have, the non-binary flag over the Blue Lantern logo, that was more expensive, because that was... more colors took longer, but it yeah. was still only, like, 180. So, yeah. yeah. Um, tattoos. They're fun. Tattoos. They're kind of like Pringles. Once you get one, you want just a lot more. <laughs> well, the thing about getting a fill tattoo is that it's actually really relaxing if you're not doing it in a sensitive spot. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like getting a massage that bleeds a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough for the title option right there, right? A massage that bleeds a lot. <laughs> uh, maybe. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> I know we probably should talk more about that off-air rather than on-air of, like, that's an episode title, maybe. <laughs> but at the same time, it's too funny to pass by, and I know I'd forget if I didn't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we want to title the episode stuff that we say in the episodes, right? So we gotta call it out when we see it, because otherwise exactly. it'll just slip by. Yeah. But, yeah, um, episode. So. Episode. <laughs> this yeah. week, I'm talking about book three, episode five, The Color Clock Car. We open with the gang crossing between a couple of the cars as Hazel is complaining that she is tired. Simon kind of sarcastically says that they should just sleep here on this rusty bridge instead of moving like two cars further to where the apex is and Hazel just complies immediately. She just passes out. Um, <laughs> also, I'm gonna try like, hmm? she, she's six. Six-year-olds need to take a nap every so often, Simon. 
Yeah. Just let her take a freaking nap. She's a child. <laughs> there's... There's a lot in this episode that we'll have to talk about with Simon, but mm -hmm. the thing that really consistently gets to me is the fact that even when he's dealing with other humans, he does not understand that other humans have physical needs. Yeah, he's really just... He exists just to always make a situation way worse than it has to be. <laughs> yeah, like... It's almost... I don't think this is it, right? Because he would have no way of being exposed to this. But he honestly acts like those NPC guys who... Be, I'm the main character, everyone else is just... You know what I'm talking about? That that weird underground subculture? Uh, By which I mean that weird alt-right cult. <laughs> oh, like the kind of person that has to make everything always about them, you mean? Well, no, what... These are the same folks who come from the reality is a, a simulation theory. Oh, and great, yeah. They say that so many people only have boring, specific things that are the same as everyone else because they're NPCs. They haven't been fully programmed as characters because they do not have the ability to put themselves into other people's minds and have empathy. They just assume that it's, like, completely fake. And that's the vibes I get off Simon, even though that's not, I think, what his deal is, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, like, in either case, it's like, I would have to imagine, after having put up this guy for eight years, that Grace would just be so fucking done with this guy. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, we never, we obviously don't get, like, the overall, like, progression of how he gets from the cat abandons him to how he's the way he is now which we'll get into as this episode continues <laughs> but it's like jesus christ you would think at a certain point like even if it's taking grace a long time to finally start to have like some character redemption arc that she would just be like dude like just fucking calm the hell down for a fucking time and don't make a situation always fucking worse than it has to be all the time <laughs> well see that's the thing right is because i think this is the first time they've really been exposed to any kind of hardship in years like since they had the apex life has been super easy for them they're just jumping cars and murdering people and now yeah, I, they have I guess, problems <laughs> i guess i guess part of it is that it's like yeah it might have just been way easier on them while amelia was the conductor because she just did not give a shit about what's going on on the train mostly yeah <laughs> so it's like well nobody's telling us to stop so i guess this is the right thing to do right and it's like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Simon tries to wake this child up, and Tuba just, like, gets in his face, because if Hazel is tired, it is nap time. Uh, Simon threatens to make her move, and there's a tense moment as they have just a mini-showdown, they're at each other's throats, but Grace interrupts to be the voice of reason. Because apparently they have been just going at it for days now, which explains why they're so close to the apex, because last I heard they were 40-something cars away. Yeah, yeah, back in, like, episode, like, one or two when they brought that up, like, I, I had that noticed in my notes for episode six, and it's like, yeah, they, they've skipped, like, something like 40 of the, like, 45 cars that they've had to go through, which... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I... That was also part of why I think I went and watched the rest of the season after I finished these two, because it's like... I was like, okay, they have to be, like, building up to something really fucking major here if they kind of skipped over that whole progression. And it <laughs> makes sense why they had to do it. I mean, again, they only had, like, 100 minutes to tell this entire story of these two characters. 
so it's like it was just very it took me back a bit being like wow they're already this close and it's been like three episodes since they met hazel and tuba yeah <laughs> it's a little it's a little quick but at the same time it's like well they're probably just been like walking through the cars and just basically doing like the bare minimum to get the door to open yeah being like let's, yeah. let's keep going but also it's like <laughs> In the other topic, it's like, Simon, you have zero way of making Tuba move, especially in this situation of you being on this catwalk. This gorilla would fully murder your ass. <laughs> Listen, he is a hyper-masculine dude who is athletic all the time, okay? He can fight a gorilla. This he... guy does not seem like he should be nearly as athletic as the stuff he gets up to. <laughs> Editor's note, he could not fight a gorilla. Um... He definitely could not! <laughs> Like, again, it's like, we'll see him do, like, some, like, giant leaps at the end of episode 6 and stuff, and it's like, how does this guy do that? <laughs> Wait, no, not episode 6, uh, next episode. Oops, spoilers, skip that, ah. don't worry, pay no attention, I'm sorry, I forgot what episode I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, like, yeah, it's like, this guy is, like, way too athletic for being the super turbo nerd that he is. <laughs> well, I mean, I get it, though, right? Because when he's not doing a super turbo nerd thing, he's swinging around on a harpoon pack and bashing into other cars and kicking people to death. <laughs> mm, I don't know. It's he not traditional he, exercise, but it's he, something. He just, he looks too scrawny, though. He definitely would not have a way of forcing two in the move. Yeah, no. I, absolutely, I agree, but you know, he's he's a teenage boy. He has all the power in the world. He just doesn't. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, and since he's been on the train, he's never been told no that he's wrong. Yep. It's your boy. <laughs> oh, fucking boy. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so they kind of come up... She, at least, Grace comes up with a compromise that Tuba should carry Hazel while she naps, and they should keep moving. Tuba's pretty amenable to this. Tuba seems to like Grace a little bit, at least in this moment. But Simon just gets madder because he is angry that Grace agreed with Tuba at all instead of being 100% behind him, because that is the kind of entitled idiot he is. Mm-hmm. Oh um, boy, this fucking dumbass. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say this out loud. This is entirely portrayed on his face, but you can see him just steaming that she didn't side with him. Yeah. Um. So Tuba picks Hazel up and starts rocking her to sleep, and Simon pulls Grace aside, asking to uh, kill Tuba, because she's too much of a hindrance. Uh, Grace refuses, though, saying that Tuba is too strong, and soon enough they'll have the rest of the Apex there to help them, and... Honestly, I'm not super sure about this. Grace is kind of... She's on the path to not being an awful person already. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get the feeling that even though she's not super on board with Tuba, she also doesn't want to just kill her. Because they've spent a fair bit of time together, and I think she really wants to keep Hazel and Tuba together at least, but she hasn't really figured out how to make that happen on account of literally everyone she knows is a racist murderer. (laughs) Yeah, also most of the people she knows are literal children, and it's like, you might have like a group of like 30-something kids at your disposal. 30 kids are not really going to do much to stop a gorilla. (laughs) 30 kids might stop a gorilla eventually. They have weight of numbers, but they're going to take a lot of casualties. (laughs) Yeah, that would be so many dead children. (laughs) Especially after we see Tuba's special attack later in this episode, like... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it depends depends if Tuba needs to roll a 6 to recharge that ability or not, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, does Tuba have legendary actions? <laughs> yeah, um, so he, Simon thinks he can solo Tuba, and when Grace tells him no, 
First, he takes it as a dare, and when she repeats no, uh, he takes it as a betrayal. Again, he's not saying this, but she's just dismissing his entire self-inflated image as a super combat ultra-warrior guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's not letting him do this is saying that she doesn't believe in him. He, it's, it's a betrayal to him. Okay, but to be fair, to Grace's point... In normal circumstances, like in a straight one-on-one -on -one fight, he would not be able to take Tuba. <laughs> no, he can't. Absolutely That's not. That's not her being like, I don't have faith in you. That's, you are a scrawny 18-year-old teenage boy. That is a gorilla. You're fucked, my guy. <laughs> you don't okay, have a yeah. gun. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. But he thinks he can take Tuba, so the fact that Grace isn't backing him up means that she doesn't believe in him. It's a... <laughs> as, as she shouldn't, because he's a teenager and she's a gorilla. And yeah, he but doesn't you see the disconnect here. Well, yeah. <laughs> I see the disconnect in his head. It's just that in Grace's defense, she is right because he is not equipped to kill a gorilla on his own in a fair fight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing with Grace, right? Like... She is absolutely right from a logical perspective here. They cannot win this fight. However, I feel like there is something emotional behind it, even though she has come up with the logical answer to not. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. you, like, because we basically haven't seen like all the time they spent together, because, again, we skipped a lot of cars, it's like you can make the, the logical progression here that, yeah, over the course of those, like Grace has come to like appreciate Tuba, even if you know she's still has kind of shitty... Um, views on denizens as a whole it's like she's at least come to realize like okay yeah tuba's all right i mean yeah god she's literally gonna later on in this episode say one of the good ones and it's like jesus uh -huh. christ grace you are literally black and you're saying this mm -hmm. <laughs> okay um god that's one of my later notes i literally have that all in caps <laughs> oh believe me so do i uh. jesus christ <laughs> So they head into the next car, which is quickly described to them as the color clock car by a little color wheel guy named Roy. He's like a, a spinner from a board game, but he's got hands and feet and a face also, I guess. And honestly, I kind of hate that he wears gloves and a bow tie, but no shoes. It's terrible. It's, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite of cartoon character design. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not walking around at least with a shirt with no pants, but he still definitely is missing certain... Well, no, uh, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. But like, he definitely should have shoes. <laughs> there's a line, right? Like, mm -hmm. Donald Duck walks around in a shirt with no pants. That's fine. He does not wear gloves, no shoes. It's he different. Does have, he does have a head and a tie, though. Mm. Yeah, so? <laughs> so? I feel like that gets him a little close to like being like, mm, you're like kind of there, but not quite to needing shoes. <laughs> like compared to Mickey, Mickey has overalls and he wears shoes, even yeah, if Mickey sure doesn't does. really wear a shirt. Well, Mickey see, that's does. the issue, right? Because it would look really weird for there to be bare feet sticking out of Mickey's pants. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess once the pants are there, you need the shoes, really. Exactly. It just looks weirder. Yeah. But yeah, Whereas no problem with Mickey guy... having his no no problem with Mickey having his uh, tits wide and free though. <laughs> well, I mean, he got top surgery. He needs to show off. <laughs> exactly. He needs to I'm... let the nips be free. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's covered in fur, so you can't see the scars. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I just had the terrible idea of having a shaved Mickey Mouse. You can see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm putting shaved Mickey Mouse on the list of titles. <laughs> That's also fair. Uh, nothing. Never these topics, uh, title options we have, have anything to do with Vinny Train. I'll just point out. 
That's fine. <laughs> I know. This is amusing uh, that so many times it's just based on something we say, but a lot of times it ends up not being in any relation to the show at all. <laughs> I mean, is that really a surprise with the rambles we take? No, not at all. I mean, we literally have, like, multiple episodes named after tits and asses. <laughs> well, yes. That's to be expected, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you have two queer people talking, and it's like, it's only inevitable. <laughs> you don't expect it. That's on you, really, at that point. That's not our fault. <laughs> Listen, when I finally get a job that has insurance that'll cover my bottom surgery, we're going to talk about that so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it no matter who gets it first, and we'll talk about it again when the other gets it, too. I will be podcasting from our recovery bed because I'm not allowed to stand up for three weeks. <laughs> Just high on all the good painkillers as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um... So the car itself is like this, it's a sky blue eternal void with just like a white clock tower thing in the middle and that looks basically the same as Roy's face. And it is red o'clock, so there are also some, like, red blocky objects floating around the car. Just, like, floating platforms and such. Um, Roy quickly spills that they have to use teamwork to solve the puzzle and find the key. And then the clock advances to orange, and all of the red objects vanish, including the lock that is on the door of the car. And I don't know... Well, it's because they're not vanished exactly. They're still there, you just can't see them unless it's red o'clock. So it's not that they vanish and you can just walk out the door. It's, yeah, it, it, it's a little conceptual, but you get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so different ones show up, and they're mostly like stairs and blocks and that sort of thing, and these are the orange ones. Um, Hazel wakes up thanks to Roy's excited monologuing, so she slept for like three minutes tops. And <laughs> yeah, she really did not get a nap. <laughs> nope. So you got the kind of nap that's like you were asleep for like 10 minutes at most and you feel worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's ex so excited to have a team of four players in the car, but Simon and Tupa insist that they are not a team because the distrust is really starting to come to a head here. Um, Roy advises them that teamwork starts with two people trusting each other before taking off, and Grace says that they should split up because she wants to get Simon away from Tuba before something bad happens. Which is fair. Uh, yeah. Except that Hazel wants to go with Grace, so Simon and Tuba can have some time together and learn to be friends. Um, <sighs> poor kid. Mm, uh, yeah. She's sick. She just wants to believe the best in everybody. Yeah, Simon does not even vaguely try to hide how mad he is. and like He's straight up screaming about being stuck with Tuba. He's in full-on meltdown mode, but he does what Grace says anyway. And we cut across to Yellow O'Clock, where Grace is helping Hazel to climb some of the platforms as she asks why Grace doesn't like Roy. So Grace has to explain what uh, being a null means, and yes, it is the same as being a denizen, but you can't trust nulls because you just don't know what they're going to do. I, um, I want to briefly point out that my notes here I have, hey Grace, use the term denizen instead of the slur, and then immediately followed by, never mind. She used the slur again. Because <laughs> she says denizen, and then she immediately goes right back to the slur, and it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um, Hazel asks if Grace has ever actually gotten to know a denizen, but she says that she doesn't have to because she can, quote, just tell. And this is where I have my note about it feeling weird that, you know, Grace is our black teen girl protagonist mm -hmm. being the voice of the racism and saying that she just knows that these people are bad instinctively yep, yep, and yep. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not smart enough to make a deeper comment on that, but it just feels so uncomfortable. I, yeah, I I was really hoping that the trivia would have specified like something about this the crew talking about that. It's being like, yeah, it's kind of a deliberate choice, but they didn't actually have anything listed in the trivia about that in particular. Yeah, see, that would be... As uncomfortable as I am, if this is a deliberate choice, I appreciate it. Because if it's a deliberate choice, then it's supposed to be making me feel like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, wait, I, I truly don't know if it is or not. I, I'd like to think yeah, so. I, again, They're very clever. Unfortunately, <laughs> nothing of the sort was listed with the trivia for the episode, so we can only but, speculate. Yeah. But, yeah, um... So this is where Grace says that Tuba is one of the good ones because, dear Bad. lord, we are... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Bad. <laughs> yeah. But this seems to appease Hazel, at least, so she gets to climb up the block and they go down a slide together. Uh, uh, uh. Um, we cut over to Simon and Tuba as Green O'Clock arrives, and they are having trouble. Because the green thing is like a maze, but the walls are too narrow for Simon and Tuba to walk next to each other, so they're like fighting over space. And then Simon is trying to show off his incredible parkour skills because he's super tough and athletic, you know what I mean? Again, he has anti-grav boots. He does not need to do this. <laughs> yeah, but he has to prove he's tough to the gorilla. <laughs> I would think that in this moment, the gorilla would be more impressed with, like, smarts and being able to circumvent physical challenges rather than just being like, yeah, I could be strong like the gorilla, except not really. <laughs> because she's a gorilla, and therefore you're not going to be nearly as strong as a fucking gorilla. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's... Listen, Simon is not a smart person. No, he's not. He just chooses all the wrong choices all the fucking time. <laughs> Yeah, um, Tuba at this point basically tells him that he is an idiot child and that even Bugle was more mature than he is, so... <laughs> and this is that... the point where they start making me sad about a gorilla who is also an instrument. <laughs> yeah. This comes very close to setting him off, but he's immediately distracted when he sees the key nearby, which at first he's very happy about, until he realizes that the key is green and absolutely will not exist anymore when the red lock shows up again. Um, indeed, a uh, blurple o'clock arrives, and the key just fades into nothingness as Simon and Tuba are trapped in a cage. Now, here's the thing. The items still exist mm -hmm. when they're not, like... He's not... He loses the key. It disappears. He should still be holding it, but that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little uh, problem there in terms of the continuity. <laughs> uh-huh, well... Especially because, again, as we'll see, near the end, and, well, not even near the end of this episode, but at least when it's revealed, it's like, yeah, everything's just, it's just going invisible. It's not gone. Yeah. So we should still again be holding the key. <laughs> yeah, it all simultaneously exists. It's just that their perception is changing. Yeah. But either way, uh, Simon and Tuba are also trapped in a cage. Uh, he tries to bend the bars ineffectually because, once again, he's trying to impress a gorilla. <laughs> 
but she asks him to step back and cover his ears, and then proceeds to fire a sonic blast that just absolutely annihilates his cage and also liquefies all of his organs, because there's no way you survive a blast like that <laughs> close to the shockwave. Also, how did this cage come into existence around them if this cage already would have also existed? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Somehow I didn't think about that at the time when I was watching it after the reveal, and I didn't have any notes. I only just realized it now. I was like, wait a sec. There's no entrance to this cage that they would have walked through and didn't notice that they were nope. walking in through the cage. It's just here now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yes, the Simon died count goes up to three. Um, Roy uh, rolls by all chipper and crowing about how teamwork starts with two people trusting each other and how he hasn't met them before because I guess each different color of Roy is a different person. It's a little strange. They don't really go into it. They don't have time. I, I kind of um, read it as like every time that like one of these like color hours happens that he's just having his memory wiped or something, which is a horrifying experience if that's what's going on. I I choose to believe that they're a plural system. Um, <laughs> All named Roy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, Tuba makes sort of a sardonic comment about how she needs Roy to bring the energy down, which actually gets Simon laughing a little. He's he's not happy about the situation, but he's kind of having a good time. But he catches himself and asks who Bugle is, and Tuba tells him that it was it it it's, it, it was her daughter, and she doesn't really say much else, but it's just that she's very lucky that Hazel came into her life. And then Red O'Clock rolls around, and the maze just kind of fades away, so they can't. the different groups can see each other again. And Simon explains the green key red lock thing to Grace, and they don't super know what to do, except maybe, like, blow up the clock tower or something. <laughs> so Simon calls to Tuba to come with him so she can do that super attack, but she's bumping into invisible walls. Um, she, she says out loud that she does not enjoy mazes, but Simon cannot see the maze. Uh, the maze was green, it's not green o'clock. And then he realizes that Tuba is red-green colorblind, and so because the colors look the same to her, she perceives both layers of the car simultaneously. <sighs> Which again, I don't get how Simon isn't already just also bumping into everything in the maze. <laughs> he can't see it, but it's still there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some definite questions about this. Maybe maybe it's still like it's there, but you phase through it if you can't see it or something. Maybe, yeah, I guess. But since Tuva can see the may like red and green at the same time because of her color blindness, she actually always has to deal with both at the same time. Which I guess that would kind of explain why they got in the perp the the purple cage. <laughs> blue purple yeah hour. i guess that makes if sense they face, yeah. if they fade through it then i guess that explains that but they don't they don't say that it's not established so yeah this is another one of the cars where the gimmick is neat but we just don't have time to go into it because we have too much emotional stuff to do yeah and oh boy we still have some emotional stuff to get through oh we have so much to do it's not um, done yet oh boy. nowhere near or maybe like we're pretty close to the end of my summary but this is three quarters ish of the way through the episode yeah um, it's not like the episode ends when they get out of the car there's the other shit that goes on <laughs> yeah no um so he tells her to go get the key and that he'll help with the maze so he heads up to a high platform and when she gets the key he shoots his harpoon pack down to her to like give her a way to climb out of the maze i guess these 
that, that the harpoon lines have to be unbelievably strong because they support her weight no problem. Well, I think he's also using his uh, grav boots to like help anchor himself, right? I think. Well, he is, but I'm just talking about the uh, the yeah, test weight of yeah. the line. Yeah, the cables. Considering how easily uh, freaking Mace cut through one of them with his sander. Yeah, I just mean like. A two-pound fish can snap a twenty-pound test line if they're really trying. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's magic rope. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so they they work together for just these briefest of moments, and he guides her to the lock. And when the door unlocks, they all cheer. And you know they're they're together. They're having a good time. And then the car shudders because it is moving because one one has found them. Uh, Grace and Simon charge out the door immediately. They have hot reflexes on these kids, and they make it across the bridge before it retracts, but Hazel and Tuba are stuck, and Simon tells Tuba to throw Hazel across the gap, and Hazel is very scared, but Grace promises she'll catch her, so Tuba starts singing her song and tucks her into her messenger bag and flings Hazel across the gap where Grace catches her. It's related (laughs) to what's going to happen now. Why don't they just use... Simon's grapple pack to get across to get her and get her across. <laughs> but you I mean, that. <laughs> that would work, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, the, I mean, yeah. The answer here is that somebody here has ulterior motives and everything, but it's like that's still putting Hazel in a lot of danger. <laughs> yeah. Also, like the plan would work every way. Like, go back, be like, okay, I'm gonna get Hazel, and then I'll get you. Yeah. Still same deal. It's that you put Hazel in a lot of unnecessary danger <laughs> by doing it this way. Yeah, in this moment, because it's... I think Grace is the one who's, like, promising to take care of her and make sure she's going to be okay. So I feel like this is Tuba trusting Grace here to do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Grace is kind of just doing what Simon suggested first. She's following his lead on this one, because it was his idea to throw a Hazel. And it's a bad idea, but... It was his, and Grace is just going with it because they don't have time to argue. So, uh, I mean, it it is also a case of like they are short on time because the car is starting to lift up to be. Launched. Yeah, that's. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're. They've only got a few seconds, and Grace is following. So just shoot, shoot Hazel with the harpoon, and the harpoons are not like you know classical whale hunting harpoons. Just use that to stick to her and just pull her across. Oh, it doesn't <laughs> then... work like that. They're magnetic. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could maybe shoot one of her tubas, but I don't know if that would. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we. I guess we don't know if tubas tubas are uh, metallic or organic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, that's not that again a conversation I was not expecting to have about the anatomy of tuba. <laughs> I mean, it could be both. This is the train. True. This is the train. The train is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just because it's metal doesn't mean it's not organic. The Turians are made of metal. I guess, yeah. They have some metal in them. Like, their exoskeleton is made of metal. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Oh, um, that, I don't remember that from Aspects for some reason. Yeah, because you never see them without their armor in the games. Um, True. <laughs> I, mean, but, but, I mean, to be fair, you really don't see anybody outside their armor or their, like, combat armor that has like built-in shields and stuff like Liara's outfit <laughs> yeah. in 2 and 3. Um, but yeah, so it's very... Tuba in this moment decides to trust Grace when Grace says that she will make sure Hazel is safe and throws her across the gap, but the, uh, the throw overbalances her, and she's dangling now. Uh, Grace is 
safely caught Hazel, that's no problem, but Tuba is just almost inches away from falling over the lip of the color clock car as it rises into the air. And Simon tells them to go ahead because he's going to go back for Tuba because he's the only one with the harpoon pack. And, like, to this point, the moment is played heroically. Like, it's Mm -hmm. bright colors, it's positive music, he's going back to save someone. And even when he gets to the top, he's, like, quoting Roy about how teamwork starts when two people trust each other. But then... Just to pause real quick... Tuba hmm? could wait until the train get like the tra- the car gets to the top of the train and then just let go. Like she'd fall a little bit, but she wouldn't fall into the wheel wells or anything. Like okay. she'd still be caught yes. at the bottom of the other train car, which then the two cars would convene. <laughs> because we've seen that happen when a car gets removed from the middle of the train. <laughs> well, that kind of depends, actually, because uh, her, her she would have to be gambling, right? Because if you jump down onto the next train car as they line up, that's still a big jump, but also True. if the car that's lifting up goes that way, then you're street pizza. True. But the opposite is put rolling the dice on Simon not being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and, in my, and in my situation, if I was in two of shoes, I'd roll the dice on Simon being a dickhead and be like, I'm going to choose to try the drop and help with the mess instead, because that guy's a dick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've basically got 50-50 odds if you try the jump, so... Yeah, it's 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 really one way or another. It's a, it's a flip of the coin, whether Simon's a dick or whether you can uh, f- angle your fall in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, what, what I'm saying here is if, if she jumps, she's got a 50-50 chance, because it could go either way, right? If the, tra- if the car goes away from you, then you're good, no worries. But with Simon... He um, he's acting all heroic, and the mood is all heroic until all of a sudden, uh, he tells Tuba that she's not a person, and it gets super dark, and the music changes, and he puts one of his feet on her hand and activates his gravity boot, which just crushes her fingers, and it's also pinning her to the ledge for the moment at least. But he just kind of stands there maliciously and deactivates the boots as she loses her grip with her, you know, broken hand. And, uh, yeah, we we watch her fall. And right before she hits the wheels, it cuts away. It's, uh... I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by this show because, like, this is the third time we've had one of these extreme deaths like this, but it's still a lot. Yeah, like, it's it's interesting that, like, of the three deaths, the one they showed, like, a little bit more in detail was the cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compared to, like, the silhouette of, like, the dog gets shot, but, like, in like, you hear the dog whimper and all, but, like, <laughs> I mean, overall, I guess was fine. Depending on how like the dog uh, cores work, I guess. <laughs> However, that's still the same Atticus. It seems like he's the same Atticus, or at least has the same memories as the first Atticus or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, they they definitely are like, well, uh, Tuba is not made of metallic goop, so we really can't show that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... And, like, you, you kind of also see it coming, because this is, again, the episode where she starts to get into her sad backstory, and it's like, oh, of course they're gonna fucking kill off Tuba as a result. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I, I kind of wish we got a little more, but I understand why we didn't. 
They they do a very good job in this episode of playing with your expectations, right? Because Simon is... He's got some time there where he's starting to turn around. He's having fun, he's enjoying himself, and it makes you feel like he's about to start the same arc Grace is getting, but yeah, no. Yeah, like just like a lot of episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> and he still has to be his usual dickhead self, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sure does. And hey, guess what? He ain't gonna get better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so we cut to the next car where Hazel is calling for Tuba, and Grace is just there, they're in like a forest or something, and yeah, Simon enters alone, and Simon just tells her that she's safe, because she never has to worry about Tuba ever again, because he killed her. And I just, like, this is what I'm talking about when he he doesn't even pretend to have basic levels of human empathy, right? Yeah. Because it would be so easy for him. All he would have to do is lie. All he would have to do is say, I'm yeah, sorry, it, I didn't get there in time. She went under the wheels. Yeah, it would be so easy to just say, I tried to get to her, but she fell before I could grab her hand. It'd be so easy to fucking lie. Yeah. And But no, he has to take every fucking opportunity to just make things worse all the fucking time. Yeah, it, it's... He doesn't recognize that she has the capacity to have feelings, and I suspect this might be where some of that nulls don't have feelings, they're just pretend thing came from. Because he doesn't seem to be able to see that in other people. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't see it in a six-year-old, so it's like, yeah. It's like, it's over the last eight years of him being fed into this whole stupid bullshit of, like, the people on the train don't matter, I guess it's even at this point that it's spreading to like actual like people from the like air quotes real world in a sense because it's like you can't even <laughs> empathize with a six-year-old child who cared about her girl friend yeah it's uh i i don't have a good word for it but he's just totally he he, he can't let someone else have their feelings it has to be about him yep and yeah, so she runs off crying because, of course, he just told her that he murdered her mom slash friend. But he doesn't care at all because he just, you know, starts bragging about how I told you I could solo her. And I told pulls- you I would win the one v one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I told I fought Tuba and Halo. I said I could do it, and I beat her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it's. He, you know, rolls up his sleeve to see how much higher his number got, but Grace is just disgusted by this behavior and leaves to follow Hazel. Simon shouts behind that he thought she would be happy, but outside, uh, she finds Hazel crying and is horrified as she starts warping and deforming as Hazel cries. She's turning into some sort of turtle monster thing. Bum, bum, bum. At, at, at which point in my notes I have, yeah, I think my theories are correct. <laughs> I mean, as we'll find out, yes, I was actually correct. Which I find it pretty funny that between both, like, this season and, uh, like, Axe Files a lot of the time, I, get, I keep calling a lot of stuff. 
Like, I mean, like, how you brought up, like, oh, yeah, it was, like, literally the week before we got the reveal of Marco's mom still be alive, that you were like, yeah, she's probably, like, Visser 1, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I called that entirely. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to take away from your win, but that book does telegraph it a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, to be fair, yes. <laughs> I mean, even since the start, when they were like, they never found her body, I was like, yeah, she's not dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're doing the Disney, like, death thing. She ain't dead. She's gonna be yurked. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was pretty clear, but then, like, me just having to also guess, like, yeah, not only is she not dead, she's also gonna be Mr. One, right? And then, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it's Animorphs, right? You're allowed to brutally murder people it on screen, so if there's <laughs> just not a body, it's suspicious. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, if it, if you don't see the body, you can only get only point one uh, five percent of a point uh, five points. You can't even huh. get the full point, as we've established. Yeah. You only get the full point if we see the corpse, or if it's like, yeah, there was definitely a York in there too. They were both dead. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I guess what I'll say about this episode is that having watched it before, like this is certainly my second time, at least through the season. I don't remember if I've seen it twice or not. Um. I find myself surprised by this. I honestly thought this happened later. I thought it happened in, like, episode 8. <laughs> yeah, again, the episode 8 curse being broken after it was a thing for season for books 1 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, well, we pulled the rug out from under you. Like, I even saw it in the trivia that Owen Dennis mentioned, like, yeah, it's a, it's a trend when there's three events. When it happens three times. Didn't happen three times. Deal with it. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I guess you pulled the bull out of... Uh, you pulled, yeah, you pulled the rug out from under people. They were expecting something happened in the, uh, episode 8, which, again, to be fair, it still kind of happens. But uh, yeah, yeah, not, to, not, on the, not on the same level as character death. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Part of me also wonders if maybe uh, Tuba's voice actress was, like, just too expensive, so they also rearranged it a little. But, I mean, also, like, I mean, as we'll get to in the next few weeks, it's like, I, I guess I see why they had to put it here, because there's a lot of stuff that still happens in like episodes, like the other half of the book. Actually, <laughs> I was going yeah. to be like book episodes uh, six to ten. And it's like wait, that's half the season. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Hmm. How do I put this? I don't think, and I'm not trying to shame anybody here, but I don't think that this happens because Diane Delano is expensive. <laughs> They keep bringing Kate Mulgrew back. They've got the budget. <laughs> yeah, but Kate Mulgrew's really only in like one episode each time. <laughs> like the cat, the cat has been in like what four episodes so far, right? Uh, uh, I guess something five. like that. Yeah. Yeah, because she's actually in like a few episodes. She's in episodes uh, eight, nine, and I guess a little bit briefly in ten in book one, and she showed up like twice in that book. Yeah. Sell the donut holder and then the tape. So it's like yeah, she was in like five episodes then. And she's been in only one episode last season. She's been in one this season. She'll come back, spoilers, for the fact that, I mean, I've already watched it. And I'd imagine she comes back in book four, because she's the cat. <laughs> she just keeps... <laughs> you can't keep the cat away. She just keeps coming back. But, uh, yeah, it's like... Listen, at this point, from what you just said, she's had seven appearances. If she gets three more, that's a full season. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Which again, she gets an eighth because she shows up again later in the season. So I guess if well, she gets to two next season, <laughs> I guess yeah, so. it's gonna be a tight, uh, tight squeeze since next one's the last one. Hmm. Yeah. 
unless they decide to eventually do a season five, which I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I had in this season that they see that, that they just could not actually get to because it was planned for a later season. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then HBO happens. And then HBO yeah. had the HBO all over this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it feels weird again to not have as much to talk about with episode five, but we I feel like we talked at length during it. Oh yeah, like, we did. <laughs> I mean, we, to be fair, a lot of the like main stuff that happens in the color clock car is not really important for the most part. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's like there's like two conversations there that actually has some stuff happen. Again, with Grace's whole stupid fucking one of the good ones conversation, and yeah. it's like, oh boy. <laughs> well, I guess always the car isn't there for any actual purpose, right? It's there to facilitate the emotional growth. Yeah. So. Or, or now, with that said, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, one one did a bang up job on this car because if Tula wasn't there, they would have died. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. They would have just been stuck there forever. There's no solution if you don't have a colorblind person. <laughs> I I feel like at, at a certain point maybe they would have like started to think about like okay what if everything's actually still here but we just can't see it when the color changes like I feel like they would maybe eventually come to that conclusion but that'd be like maybe like a week from now because this kid's ain't smart. <laughs> well, I mean, if you phase through stuff when you can't see it, then. <laughs> I mean, true. If we're going based on that theory I put forward that it's still there, you just phase through it. If you can't see it, then it's like, well, I guess uh, you I guess you're fucked. You have to be able to see both at the same time, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, so, we haven't, we didn't see them try to just go back the way they came and hope that eventually that car gets moved somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, if their theory about one one trying to fuck them over it was, would be true, they would be like, well, that train car will never move, obviously, because we can't get through it. <laughs> yep. One one's got his feet. Fuck. <laughs> we'll go to the other end of the train. He won't expect that. <laughs> I honestly feel like what they probably would have ended up doing, and they would be hesitant to do this, or at least Grace would, but they probably would have, like, you know, beaten up Roy and tried to force the hand on his face into a different position from the one on the clock tower. <laughs> <laughs> it's being like, just, we're going to beat the shit out of you unless you tell us what the fuck is going on with this car, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just fucking spill it. We don't want to... Well, I mean, he wants to hurt you, but not me. <laughs> Guess I'm voicing grace in this situation. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not, like... The only reason Grace wouldn't want to do it, I think, is because Hazel's there. She's not been averse oh, yeah, to yeah. killing uh, denizens yeah. in the past, but... Yeah, yeah. she wouldn't, she wouldn't <laughs> want to look bad in front of Hazel. Exactly. But yeah, that's my episode. Yeah. Huzzah. Huzzah. It feels weird to say huzzah, Tuba's dead, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was uh, trying to be a little ironic, but then you picked up it, it yeah. picked it up, and like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the funny way, like, when uh, Giant Bomb was joking about Mom's dead parkour during the entirety of when I'm playing The Quiet Man. It's like, no, this is actually sad, because, like, The Quiet Man is trash. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we should uh, probably do stop for a net break and then get into episode six, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Recording. Yeah, and of course you can always catch us at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast, where uh, you can catch our other podcast, The Axe Files. Of course, it is available on the free feed, but uh, it's about 13 weeks ahead on the Patreon, so that's pretty dang good. But of course, we've also got lots of other goodies, yeah? <laughs> yeah, uh, we are, you know, you do your weekly queer reading recommendation, 
I've basically still been playing whatever the fuck is on my PC that I like at a moment's notice. I, I kind of not like fully just always doing the Nuzlocke, I'm basically just like thinking on the like week to week basis kind of deal. But yeah, uh, it's definitely. I'm not. I haven't wiped on the randomized huh. one yet. There was a pretty scary fight that made me a little bit certain I was gonna lose at least one or two guys, but we got <laughs> through it. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, but um, of course, the other thing that we offer for this show is uh, very quickly shout out to all of our patrons. So we need to give a huge thank you to Aurora Borealis, Trigger Harpy, and Bookcase Queen. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, we really enjoy having you along for the ride. Yep, I hope you're all are entertained by the nonsense we create, especially the X-Files, because, oh boy, we just finished uh, doing one of the craziest books so far. <laughs> uh, well, it's a start. We'll get there. But uh... I'm sure there's crazier bullshit than uh, Space Wizards, somehow. <laughs> Listen, Gandalf's not that weird, okay? But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably time for us to sign off, so go ahead and enjoy the rest of the show. See ya. Alrighty, uh, we just continue with episode 6, the Campfire Car, which, as we've had just as a tradition for a lot of the last two books, it continues right after the previous episode. Because we continue right where we left off with Hazel confused about what happened to her, with Grace at a loss for an explanation, how she doesn't immediately just default to you must be a denizen is outside <laughs> my concept at the moment. But she reaffirms to Hazel that Tuba is gone for good because Hazel's still crying about wanting Tuba back and assures her that it wasn't her fault because, I mean, we know who's at fault. There's one person in particular that that, that, that bears the fault yeah, <laughs> in the other room. Uh, but by comforting her, she starts to revert back to her usual appearance and she asks Grace if she now hates her like she hated Tuba. And Grace has to assure her that she never hated Tuba, and when Hazel thinks about how Simon will probably kill her now too, she starts to revert to her turtley appearance, but Grace promises to just not tell Simon about her, so she decides to try to remain calm around him, because I don't know how you're able to really ask a six-year-old to stay calm around a murderer for long, but she tries her best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grace then basically kind of does exactly what Gus and Hunter did for each other back in Labyrinth Runners of helping uh, walk Grace through a breathing exercise to help calm her down, and that also helps her unturtle. So there you go and enter the next car, which is again the campfire car as mentioned, uh, to find Simon being his usual shithead self, saying that they were gone for a while, and Grace, rightfully so, blows up at him and tells him to never do something like that again if he wasn't ordered to do so, which I don't like that she has to put in the unless I say so in there. <laughs> like it would have been it would have been like way better characterization and growth than like foreshadowing for the rest of this episode and everything if she just said don't ever do that again compared to unless I tell you to kill somebody basically yeah uh yeah he's surprised that she pulls rank on him but given how things are going I bet he tries to do a coup at some point since his number keeps skyrocketing while hers has been decreasing I'm just reading my notes verbatim while knowing exactly what happens later on this season. Uh, but he keeps his mouth shut for now and agrees to follow her orders. You know, again, not to spoil things for the listener, but, you know, uh. you kind of can foresee it coming anyway with the way things are going with him. Uh, yeah, then they all set off with both of these not-great teenagers making hat. Like, they don't necessarily make Hazel carry Tuba's bag that is way too big for her to carry, but they don't offer to carry it for her. Yeah, that really... Like, that bag is as big as her. It really yeah. bugs me that neither one of them said anything. 
Yeah, like, I mean, you would think Grace would even be like, hey, you want me to carry that for you or something? And even if she <laughs> said no, I, I, I'm okay. It's like, you know, it would have been at least something if she offered. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. But, yeah. but they basically locate the door as night falls. Uh, Hazel is hesitant to continue on since she wants to have a funeral for Tuba before they go. And, of course, right on cue, Simon, being a piece of shit that he is, has to be a piece of shit about this. Because he's Simon. And Grace tries to rationalize that since... Like, she basically tries to put it way more politely, but the overall thing that basically Simon was saying in the moment here is the same, of, like, the moral, basically, like, overall is that Tuba's body is in here, so it'd be difficult to have a funeral for her. <laughs> so I guess Grace has ever heard that you can actually have funerals that are, like, empty casket. <laughs> yeah. They don't need a body to still at least have a funeral, even if well, it's symbolic. Well, to be fair, they've been on the train for eight years. True, I assume true, they yeah, have not true, been to a ton of funerals true, true. in that time. They, they've, they got on the train when they were around, like, ten years old each, so... Makes sense that maybe they wouldn't have heard that because again you yeah. don't really I mean I myself I've never actually gone to a funeral and I'm 35, which I kind of find a little interesting that there's not been that I don't want to say that opportunity I mean the the time when like uh like really the only two deaths that have really been I guess no three like they were just like out of state and not around to actually go to because it was all like grandparents and stuff and yeah. obviously it, well I guess the fourth well, I guess really the first of them but the four overall was uh my uh, paternal grandma passed away when I was like four. You're not gonna take a four-year-old to a, a funeral. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's just uh, yeah, I, it's weird that I think about it like that. Where it's like, yeah, I've actually not been the one myself. Huh. Yeah, I um, I am a bagpiper, so I have. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. I'd have to imagine just based on like from my previous job of seeing just a bunch of death certificates and seeing like all the various like ways that people died or what age they were that it probably takes its toll on you overall just i haven't done a ton of them because i don't like advertising myself and also this is maybe this is petty but a lot a lot a lot a lot of the funerals that request bagpipes are cops and i refuse to do that Fair, so yeah like Mm -hmm. I, I keep my I, I don't advertise a lot because I don't want to be asked to do that and have to say no you know what I mean yeah like basically being like getting somebody possibly getting on your case and like what you got to think about against cops because it's like yeah actually <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I don't want to be you want to be that blunt is... about it but it's like it's the truth <laughs> yeah this is a person's loved one calling me and going will you play this person's final honor and I have to go no I'm glad he's dead <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck you, A cap. <laughs> like, that definitely so, would uh, get some blowback. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah. In any case, they haven't heard of this, and of course, again, Simon has to chime in in a much harder way of basically saying that same thing of "there's no body, it's pointless, blah," because he just has to continue being the worst, and you know, he also at this point just kind of. <laughs> Some of them related just again brings up how the train belongs to passengers, not denizens. So I guess he's also just doing his usual again, like dehumanizing of like, well, you know, if, if it's not a person, they only need a funeral. Fuck you, me, Disney Simon. Yeah. Well, because the thing he's going right into this is Apex full bore, right? This is he's at a 10, but that's not how you recruit a new member you can't just yeah. go super into the cult mentality right away you gotta go slow <laughs> like again like the whole like it would have been so easy 
to tell Hazel that Tupa lost her grip and fell because then it's like, well, I tried to help her out, but you're safe with us, Hazel, even if you don't have her, you got us at least. And again, that's how you get her in. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, well, she doesn't have anybody else. And meanwhile, like, as you keep doing this, you're just making it more and more likely that Hazel will find an opportunity to just get the fuck away from you because you're a murderer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know what's going on with him because they've been running this cult for a while. He's never been told to, to stop. He's never been told he's wrong. He's just an asshole. <laughs> He's well, been, listen. He's been like he's been around this whole deal for like almost half his life, and he's just never unlearned it. Yeah, but he's so been successfully a running a cult for that time. Like, he's been bringing people in. They've been bringing them in and easing them into the ideology and getting them to the point they need to be. Like you saw how they acted with Jesse, and mm-hmm. that's not what he's doing here. He's just full bore murder yeah. whoever mode. I mean, to be fair, it's more Grace doing that with Jesse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, fair, but you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. You don't convert new people to your cult by being a rampant murder beast right off the top. You have to ease them in. Yeah, it's, you, it's the boiling you, you frog have, theory. You have, you have to slowly seed the like the mentality and the beliefs into them, so that basically they more or less will just go along with it, or even just do it of their own volition, rather than like you being like, yep, no, you don't have to worry about that person, they weren't a person, the train belongs yeah. to us, fuck everybody else. <laughs> like, fuck you, my guy. <laughs> you, you, somehow you run a cult, or at least help co- run a cult, and you're bad at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet you still have like 30 kids following you, because they're t- kids and don't understand better. <sighs> yeah. Yep. At any rate, uh, Hazel starts to have a panic attack, obviously because she's six, and she's being told her friend slash mom was not a person. But she is at least aware enough to watch her breathing and stands firm on wanting to say goodbye, because she's at least not having any assignment shit. She shouldn't. <laughs> and he, of course, is just desperate to keep going since the Apex are just a car away. So again, uh, we have we have skipped a lot of these cars uh, in just six episodes. <laughs> just, Again, I understand why it had to go this quick because, again, they only have 100 minutes total, and with what happens in the next four, it makes sense. Yeah. It's just, it's just a really quickened. <laughs> it's, it's real fast. <laughs> but yeah, but great sides of Hazel since it'd be best to have her join the Apex while not crying about a denizen, as she talks to Simon about. And again, this gets Simon to at least shut the fuck up. So basically, he at least understands. It's like, yeah, I guess there's that for what it's worth. <laughs> And so Hazel wants to find the spot for the funeral, but like clockwork, he has to go and bring up that there's no body, so a spot isn't necessary, because again, he has to immediately ruin things. <laughs> <laughs> and Hazel at that point takes out the glowing rock that we only saw very briefly back in episode 2, that uh, Tuba packed away in the bag. And she says that it'll stand in for Tuba, as the rock was a shared possession between the two of them. <laughs> I, I honestly was expecting more to come of this rock, because like it seemed like it has some importance like maybe it'll come up in book four but it's weird that it doesn't actually really have much significance overall yeah i get i guess i guess it's just it's just a neat rock it glows when you touch it (laughs) it's a magic rock yeah i don't know what like tuba's just been lugging this thing around i guess yeah Uh, i mean I, i guess like part of me was thinking like is this like more of a like prototype version of the orbs that make stuff on the train or something because like those orbs like kind of are roughly like the same shade of bluish coloration and they kind of glow a little 
I guess I was thinking it was like something like that, and it was like gonna be more important, but no, turns out no. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. But no, we don't ever get any more information yeah. about this. It's just like, nope, this this rock was just, I guess, a neat rock they found. It's like, you know, it's like the little kid at the at the beach being like, I found a cool stick, I'm gonna take it with me, yeah! And it's like, I guess it's just that, but it's a giant rock that you were having a six-year-old carry. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess we'll use this. But, I mean, to be fair, Tuba was carrying it until... Yeah. Tuba, be fair? Tuba fair? To be... I don't know. We can get it there, it just needs some workshop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, where's my notes? Where did I say? Oh, yeah. Uh, they go looking for a spot and pass by various groups of forest-based denizens, like a rock couple that complain about where they are because that, uh, they just seem like the usual couple that quarrel over everything, but they also make out. And some, like, pinecone scouts. There's also, like, a big, like, uh, like a oil lantern guy who's just walking around. <laughs> None of these people have like voice actors listed, so I didn't really go much into detail about them, but it's fun to bring up that they're here. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but Hazel basically just keeps rejecting uh, a bunch of spots that they keep uh, suggesting. And this eventually just sets off Simon once again, because he just blows up about this, which causes Hazel to, to her credit, finally scream back at him, blaming him for the necessity of a funeral and that she's going to do it right no matter what, because fuck him, he sucks. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm editorializing a little bit there, but she basically does say most of that of, like, we only need the funeral because of you, so shut the fuck up, I'm gonna do this right. That's kind yeah. of exactly what she says. <laughs> uh, and her outburst causes her claws to emerge, but she has her back to them, so they don't really see. But she basically just ends up running off to keep it a secret, as Grace then rounds on Simon for him berating a child, and how he cannot even in this moment try and equate to what Hazel's going through because he cannot empathize. Even when she basically says, isn't this kind of how you felt when the cat abandoned you, my guy? <laughs> but of course, he doesn't take the moment to actually think about stuff like that because this boy has never processed his trauma. <laughs> So yeah, he goes off to walk and uh, just to go wait by the exit because he is just the worst and he's just like being like, fuck this, I'll just, I'll, I'm going there, I'm going to wait there while you do this nonsense and waste your time. <laughs> so at least we don't have to deal with him as much in this episode, uh, for, the rest of it, for the rest of it mostly. So Grace goes looking for Hazel though and then finds her up in the tree. Uh, Hazel <laughs> climbed up that tree really quick <laughs> for a six-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, I have questions about this, because that mean, tree she, does not to, have handholds or anything. To it's be just, fair, she she did have her claws out when she ran away, so maybe she used them to scurry up real quick. Okay, yeah, but Grace is going to do the same thing. True. <laughs> and but there's Grace no is, branches, there's Grace no handholds, you're Grace just shimmying. Grace is three times her age. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I, I can rationalize her getting up the tree relatively quickly even if again there doesn't seem like as many handholds because she's at least like an 18 year old and pretty physically fit compared to hazel being six <laughs> the only way i see that is like again hazel used claw marks her claws and maybe she left like enough like scratches that grace could grab onto or something yeah 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 uh but the hazel says that this is a spot and says she would want to be high up to see this guy as the sun starts to rise because they've just been walking for hours basically because it's it got it just got the sunset when they were at the door basically mm -hmm. <laughs> it's now sunrise uh but yeah but she basically says that he that uh, she would want to be where she can be protected from the rain animals and kissing rocks relating back to the 
quarreling rock couple. <laughs> it's a little funny that she brings it up. Uh, and she starts to basically do the funeral by thanking Tuba for helping her so much, and also thanks to her kids in a sad way for enabling Tuba to even be with her in the first place. Because again, the nature of that circumstance was tragic, even if we don't get the full context ever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she hopes that she can be with her kids again, and she begs Grace to say some words about Tuba too, which Grace initially hesitates about because she didn't really know Tuba that well. But she does agree in the end, and she's awkward about it at first, but you know, by the end she's also breaking down and crying about Tuba's loss. And then Hazel sings the song that Tuba taught her, and they both cry, and Hazel puts the rock in the tree's knot hole, and it just stops glowing because it needs to be touched to go. And then the two hug after Hazel makes Grace laugh accidentally about needing to go to the bathroom. Because, again, Hazel's still a child. <laughs> yeah. She's still six. She, she might be sad, but she's also going to be like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they head back down to the door where Simon's being his usual dick itself again. Because things are, as he puts it, going back to normal at last. And he basically makes... Uh, Hazel very uncomfortable by saying that he'll name a character in his new book after her because she's been so brave and it's like yeah that's definitely assuring my guy <laughs> definitely nothing weird about that <laughs> I mean Hazel <laughs> clearly looks very uncomfortable for more reasons other than this man murdered my parental figure in my life yeah, yeah. It, there's a moment here that Hazel she just has immediately learned how to appease the abusers in her life, and yeah. she's six, and that just happened on the spot, and mm -hmm. oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they leave the car and then and end up in the uh, Canyon of the Flying Stinks car, I believe is the name of it. I believe. <laughs> but uh, that we've seen briefly before, like twice, <laughs> I think. Definitely in the beginning of book one, uh, book two. Uh, but, well, actually, before they get there, they're, while they're walking along the walkway, they actually encounter Amelia, but she just walks right past them. She's not paying attention <laughs> to them. So, hey, welcome back, Amelia. You haven't been in book two at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they open the door, and then they find out that, that, that they're in the canyon there, and it's like, that's definitely not their mall. <laughs> it's like, it's funny that Simon basically just brushes it off. He's like, oh, maybe the effects are a bit farther ahead. And it's like, why would they have left the mall and be here instead? <laughs> like, you know your base is the mall. Why would they have moved shop in, like, a couple weeks? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a bunch of children with no leaders. Who knows what they might do? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess we never get the sense of, like, who the oldest person in the Apex is after Simon and Grace. But, like, we only ever see, like, a bunch of, like, 10 and 12-year-olds, basically, besides the two of them. <laughs> Which I guess, hey, to be fair, that's kind of the only people you're really going to easily get on your side because kids are impressionable. <laughs> as we've seen a lot with Hazel, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, basically well, they go and look at the tracker device that they have to see where the apex are, and they see that their location is now behind them and not where they are. And at that point, Amelia pops back in to yell at them for what they've been doing to the train cars. <laughs> because <laughs> Amelia, I guess at this point, realizes like, wait a sec, these, these kids are up to some shit. <laughs> we'll find out more next time, but yeah, it's just very funny for her to pop in and be like, what the fuck have you all been doing? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah, but that brings us to the end of episode 6, and yep, the, the show made me cry during the funeral, <laughs> because hey, it yeah. wasn't it. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> yeah, Can uh, I send you one single image, which will maybe make 
Tuba's backstory a lot more uh, humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to send you the one is, and is, only is, image is it, of Bugle, is it the, yes. Is it the Doodle Bugle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did see that, yeah. Okay, excellent, never mind. <laughs> the, the, the little baby gorilla just shoved in a, t- in a, in a, like a little, like, uh, trumpet, basically. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that, the little doodle. Because <laughs> I, I looked it up, because I was like, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get any context for uh, Tuba's kids, and it's like, yeah, it basically it says, like, yeah, we just don't learn anything about them, but here's basically what be- what the crew think Bugle will look like. <laughs> <laughs> She, she kind of is just like a little bit hermit crab or like slow bro in a sense where it's like yeah she just kind of has most of her body in the tuba yeah <laughs> or not that's... the tuba the, the bugle yeah <sighs> yeah uh do we have any questions though uh that is itself a good question I need to find the post I'm not on my game tonight <laughs> I, I don't see any <clears throat> uh notifications no. It um, does not look like it, no. We don't have anything that I'm seeing. Um, yeah, me neither. Uh, unless, of course, you want to check the, the Gmail, but... <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> Gmail, the, my phone would have pinged if I got an email on there, but I didn't yeah. see anything. Yeah. Okay. The only um, things I really get on there these days are just the, the Patreon being like, hey, do you want to do stuff? And it's like, shut up, Patreon. <laughs> all right. Uh, in that case, we're going to move to our Frakes Takes segment, in which I uh, use the questions that Jonathan Frakes uses at the beginning of Unsolved Mystery segments. They are typically non-sequiturs. So, uh, we're going to do three of them today, because we didn't get any proper questions. Uh, the first one, do you have a pet? Uh, unfortunately, no. My apartment doesn't allow pets. I would have gotten, gotten ferrets again if I could. Ooh, do it yeah. anyway. <laughs> uh, the thing is that like they've only really been in my apartment like once since I moved in, and that was to spray for like bugs and stuff because they just <laughs> do that every so often. I just I would not be able to hide ferrets. <laughs> I do they my... have like hmm? where I'm at in Canada at least the law is that they have to notify you at least 48 hours ahead of entering your they, apartment. They do, they do yeah. They, when they did that, they sent out an email being like, on this day we're going to be doing that, but it's like. A ferret cage is too large to try to hide. I mean, I'm in a, you know, it's like a decently sized studio apartment, but it's still a studio apartment. I don't have any side rooms, and they've had to spray in the bathroom too, so it's like it's not like I could even put them in there. Well, yeah, I just mean like go to a hotel for a day or whatever. Yeah, I don't want to do that to the ferrets though. I really want to have to toss fair. them in like a carrier and deal with that and try to like bring their cage with me or something. I suppose I'm, that's I'm also, I mean, to be fair, I'm also not in much of a monetary position to have pets. <laughs> Just because you get yeah, a job. Yeah, okay, good point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, I mean, there's still, like, the case of, like, my mom has brought up to me before, because, like, there's been some problems with this place, especially with management and neighbors who are being like, what, do you want to move again, like, next February? And, like, at, th- at the time, I was like, no, because I've already moved enough times in the last, like, year plus between moving here and then the, the crappy apartment and then moving well i mean moving here as in moving to connecticut then the yeah. crappy apartment now where i currently am do i really want to move like a fourth time in the span of two years and it's like i guess it really depends i mean to be fair if i get the job that i was talking about that's literally three minutes down the road i could walk that and save a lot more on gas rather <laughs> than having to drive if i move farther away or anything just for having pets hmm. but i mean part of it is also like well Having pets would also kind of cut into the overall, like, GRS fund, even though yeah. it's, like, when I had Ollie and Tucker, like, it was only, like, 50 bucks a month for their food and, like, occasionally, like, some toys or, like, a new hammock and stuff. 
so it wasn't too that much, but it's like it still kind of adds up over time. Especially also with vet bills with them once uh, they started both getting a bit older and needing to go to the vet every once in a while. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Again, I would, I would, I would love to have pets. I've also considered at times, like if I can get pets in the future, if I would go with ferrets again, or whether I would want to get like a bunny or something, or my idea of like a green cheek conure with, from a few years ago, which I never got to act on, unfortunately. Yeah, he knows. It all depends on what the future holds and ha- how much of a hellish place the America gets to be even more so once the 2024 election happens, or whether I even stay in this country. Yeah, no, fair. <sighs> yeah. It's just me and Ziggy over here. Yep. We we all we are pretty aware of Ziggy. She's been pretty quiet the last few episodes though. She, I haven't heard her as yeah, much. I'm actually kinda of suspicious because it is her <laughs> dinner time right now and she's not screaming. <laughs> I mean that's how you know she's up to no good. It's it's just like again, whenever <laughs> I had the ferrets and it's like if I didn't hear them doing something or see them, it's like you're probably in a corner somewhere taking this shit, aren't you? <laughs> Not every time. Sometimes they were just, like, stuck in the bottom of my hamper because they climbed up. In particular, Ollie doing that with my old hamper because he liked doing that because ferrets like, burrowing in clothes. But then they super can't get themselves out because it's like, well, I now kind of have, like, a bunch of clothes technically on top of me. Please help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Ziggy loves to do that. She She loves taking naps in the laundry. It's... That that's basically what's going on right now. Either she is doing a crime, or she has climbed <laughs> into the clothes basket and fallen asleep. Um. Okay. Uh. Second question. Since we're doing three today, uh, would you display this as a trophy? What the question? <laughs> that's the question. Would you display this as a trophy? But but I need to, I need to clarify. Is it are you is it saying would you display this question as a trophy? Basically, is that what it's implying? We don't have context. I mean, I don't have any trophies on display necessarily because all of them are like from like when I was six playing hot, uh, soccer, and they're like, <laughs> you know, back then it's always just like those are participation trophies, not actual like doing well or anything trophies. And it's like, yeah, I mean, all of those would have my dead name on them, so I wouldn't be portraying like putting them up anywhere, even if I did still want them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have one trophy that I would be willing to display uh, from when I was in the third grade and I won a regional writing competition, but that's it. I I mean, to be fair, if I still had the really funny presentation behind it, I would display the Pinewood Derby race that I won back when I was in (laughs) first grade, I think. The whole thing is that, like, basically... I don't know about the legality of this when it comes to scouts, but uh, it turns out if you put graphite on the wheels of a Pinewood Derby, it goes faster. So. I, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, when it came to my car, I did not design it. A parent did, so it won because a lot of them were against ones that kids actually built themselves, which were shit <laughs> because kids. Uh, but when I won first, I distinctly remember. I brought up to the scout leader asking like how big the trophy was because it was going to be given to me in like our like monthly like big like overall troop meeting and not just like the general like um what the fuck is like the the no I guess the the, the, at the yeah what was the scouts group where it's like it's just like the few kids was that the dens uh uh in the cub scouts yes that would be a den yeah yeah because like we had those like once a week but then like once a month we had like the overall troop meeting where they were going to present it and i distinctly remember because i asked that enough times they decided to go ahead and kind of make a little bit of fun of me because they basically took like a big like uh you know like the cardboard rolls that 
carpets come in. They basically took that and like used like some like wrapping paper on it to make it seem like it was part of the overall like trophy. Since it was just really huh. tall and way taller than me as like six years old, so I had trouble carrying it. And meanwhile, it's just a normal size like Pinewood Derby trophy at the top. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if I still had that whole display, maybe. But I would have to change obviously the dead name to say Vivian. But yeah. again, that was from when I was six, when Scouts was still very heavily gendered and therefore bad. <laughs> So. Well, see, that's why I advise winning writing competitions, because uh, writers don't have any money, so they can't afford to get your trophy personally engraved. So it just says tro- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I do still technically also have a medal for making the... Uh, what is the fucking thing in college called? The... The honor roll or whatever kind of deal. I think I still have one of that that I got at my college graduation because I was on honor roll like back in like the first uh, like semester or two that I had that for all. Oh, that's <laughs> neat. Before my ta- grades kind of tanked and I got the GPA of only 2.81. <laughs> Ooh, rough. Yeah, I didn't do that great at college. I'm with you there, though. <laughs> yeah, I still have that I, somewhere. Listen, I, I, I basically almost flunked out. So it's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's not a three point oh GPA, which I would have preferred, but it's like it's not like it's the absolute worst. Hey, fun fact: I should have flunked out of the master's program that I just graduated <laughs> from, but they missed it. Well, there you go, abusing the system. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was during my first semester when I first moved up here. I got like a, I think it was a fifty eight in a class, which isn't a passing grade. At 60 and up as a passer here, but you're only allowed to have one below 60 if you have, or one below 70. If you have below 60, you just fail out of the program entirely. Uh, But nobody noticed until like last semester. (laughs) So they decided to just let me slide since I was so close to done. It's like, yeah, you got like a few months left, fuck it. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Supposedly, according to what she told me, they would normally be able to notice that things were going that bad because teachers have to report in on occasion. And they just had really bad accounting that semester because it was the first back in person after COVID. Uh, So it just went (laughs) under the radar. Just worked to your advantage in a sense. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I mean, the idea is that they notice that you're starting to do badly and give you resources to, like, succeed, mm-hmm. but they didn't notice that, and so I didn't succeed, and so they're just going to call an audible on that one. <laughs> I mean, my college super did not actually offer anything to help you pass, because it's like, I didn't do great in a uh, fucking statistics class, and, like, I had to drop out of, well, remember, I had to drop the class of uh, Japanese 212, because it was a different teacher, and she refused to speak any English, and when I asked her, like, hey, I didn't catch really what you said the homework was, could you please tell me what it is in English? And she just said, yeah, which is Japanese for no. And I was like, alright, well, I can't potentially try to catch up based on where we're at, because you won't even tell me what the homework is, so I'm going to drop your class and take a different... Uh, take a different language during the summer before my final year of college because I had to take 211 and 212 of Spanish during the final year in order to graduate on time. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, cool, I... thanks, lady, for not bending your own arbitrarily dis- decided upon rule for a person that's not understanding what you even said the homework was. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough how different a master's level program is. Yeah. There's like. 40 of us total. I know everyone involved yeah, in the I, entire I guess, library department. I guess if you have a certain percentage of the 40 or so kids not passed, that kind of looks bad on the school. So they probably yep, actually sure care does. to help you out <laughs> compared to me just being just another undergrad. 
I guess it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I know the entire faculty, not just teachers, but, like, oh, administration, okay. yeah. support staff, <laughs> all of them, because that's how small my program is. Like, I had, like, maybe one teacher, actually, or actually two, because, like, my Japanese teacher and, like, the head of the English department actually got to know me a little bit because I had multiple classes of her over the course of years. And so it's like when she had to like talk to me about like graduation stuff and everything about like re like requirements and stuff, she actually like recognized me because it's like, oh yeah, you're that person in my class from Shakespeare or whatever. So it's like, okay, yeah, you at least know me. She would super not know me now. And I, the last time I checked, I don't even think she's head of the department anymore. But also to be fair, she was like pretty old. So I don't even know if it's just because she retired or passed away or something since. Because <laughs> I mean, it's been ages since I was, I mean, I graduated college like literally over 13 years ago now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 13, like a month. Like, I think it was like May 27th of 2010 is when I graduated. So it's, it's, it's getting pretty close to like a whole like 13 years and a month since then. <laughs> it's been a long time. You know, I'm still Facebook friends with my uh, undergraduate thesis advisor, but I honestly don't know if he knows <laughs> me because I had already changed my name yeah, by that point. Yeah, you know, that would kind of be a factor of it, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like when I reached out to some old <laughs> high school friends via like Instagram of all things, being like, "Hey, yeah, I'm I'm the person who is in that D and D group who was not X Y Z or Q, basically." And it's like, so I think you can figure out who I am now, but I'll suck up by this, because <laughs> obviously I'm not gonna go ahead and just dead name myself and be like, "Yeah, I go by this now." <laughs> well, naturally. <sighs> okay. Um. So our final Frakes take of the evening. Uh, how much money would it take to make you spend the night in a cemetery? Hmm. That's a good question, actually. <laughs> I feel like with you, uh, like you would, you would have to be like, wait, they they offered me money. <laughs> you were just doing yourself. That's the thing, right? Like <laughs> you were just doing it for because you I, wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing that I have done. It's fine. It's chill. There's a cemetery like two blocks away from my parents' house. I may have snuck out at night sometimes. It's fine. But the question is, like, if they're offering money, how much of a price tag can I get away with getting out of them? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like nobody's going to offer you a million to stay in the cemetery unless it's, like, known to be in, like, an area where people actually get murdered or something. It's like, yeah. good luck, we don't expect you to survive. Well, I don't know, <laughs> probably even just as low as, like, a thousand, I would think, to just be like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say no if somebody was offering, like, basically to pay the equivalent of TRS, but it's like, well, <laughs> I feel like nobody's going to do that much for just one night in the cemetery. Because it's like, well, it's just a, it's just yeah. a cemetery. <laughs> I mean, the question isn't how much can you get out. The question is how much would it take, so... Yeah, okay, fair. I guess anywhere anywhere, what's, what's be anywhere between 1 to, like, roughly 30,000, depending on uh, the surgeon you get, <laughs> I guess. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, cemeteries are it, nice. It's saying if and... anybody that's a fan of the podcast wants to toss me $30,000, I'll stay in the cemetery if that, if you help me get surgery. <laughs> just, just saying. Listen, <laughs> you pledge $30,000 to the Patreon and we will do a live podcast recording in a cemetery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we won't do that. That would be terrible audio quality and also just, listen. <laughs> Maybe maybe we just have like a live camera feed Don of us Bluth? throughout the night. <laughs> no, uh, well that, well, I'm thinking of the company that made that movie. Well, I mean, it was Don Bluth was the animator. He was like the director. He was the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to see who, what's the company that made Doll Dogs for them. Uh, that would be the theory of again why saying the thing in the cemetery would be creepy. 
there's no if there's yeah. no bodies, even if they're decomposed, it's like well then it's not as like imposing on people if they have superstitions about that kind of stuff. Well, you know, uh, in English superstition, the first person who's buried in a cemetery just doesn't get to move on to the afterlife. They stay there and guard it. There's like a, a protector of the cemetery for all those who pass behind. Jeez. So if we find a new one that no one's been buried in yet and we record a podcast there, then our podcast can be the guardian of the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're doing y'all a solid. This is why you should totally give us like $60,000 so that both of us can easily afford DRS. <laughs> we're doing everybody a service here by dealing with this, by presenting this live podcast in the cemetery as the guardian. So this way everybody uh, get, who inter- gets interred there gets to move on, right? <laughs> Yeah. To give us money. <laughs> For a long time, the tradition was that you would bury a dog first, because dogs don't go to heaven anyway, they're animals. But I was I was told as a kid that all dogs go to heaven. Are you telling me I was lied to by whatever fucking... Distributed by United Artists slash MGM slash UA Communications Co. in the U.S. So you telling me MGM lied to me that dogs don't get to go to heaven? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that movie had not come out in the 1300s. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's where the legend of, like, ghost dogs and churchyard grims and such come from, is because there are good boys who stayed behind to protect people. God, I forgot the main dog's name was Charlie B. Barkin. <laughs> You do indeed be barking. Yeah, well, Bluth was never subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, moral of the story here, people, give us money so we can get surgery yes. done. <laughs> <laughs> we will take your money and we will do podcast from wherever the fuck you really want us to, as long as it's not going to put us in actual danger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, listen, you give us enough money to get somewhere and we'll podcast there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> It would it would be fun though, just as like a like special like if it's like the like whatever year anniversary for us to act, for one of us to actually visit the other and do one in like in yeah, the same room. Yeah, that would be chill. I have no idea how to balance yeah. audio levels if we're in the same room, but we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, we. I feel like at the, in that scenario, we probably actually just need one of those like standalone mics that we would both just talk into, so this way there's not just two oh, no, different tracks. Oh no, we can't do that. That's terrible. No. <sighs> Oh, it does not work. Well, because then yeah. we wouldn't get separate tracks, so I wouldn't be able to... Because my audio is almost always dramatically quieter than yours, so... True, but if but if we were using the same mic in the same physical space, wouldn't it be the same, like, quality? Uh, not if you just physically talk louder than I do. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't feel like I talk louder than you, but at the same time, I feel like I definitely laugh louder at times. Well, I mean, there's no way to know, right? Because everything we hear is modulated audio that comes through, like, three layers of computer translation. True. So. Which, again, brings us back to give us your money, audience, and then we can actually arrange this. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and also get Give us some money, audience, and then I'll buy, like, a <laughs> decibelometer, and we can talk into it and see what's... <laughs> Well, I meant more get us, like, the money for surgery so we could put money toward, like, the money that we would put towards that instead towards uh, being in person, and then we would just test by just well, being on okay, the same yeah, mic. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you know, I think we are tired, uh, we're kind of, we're, we're, we're trailing here a little bit, so let's probably time to take yeah. off, um.
Uh, no, we got trivia. I don't have much, oh, but there's okay. trivia. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. I totally... Before, before yeah. we do that. <laughs> wow, we got yeah. way off the track. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, again, mostly just some small things, but, uh, like, one thing I have here is just that Roy was voiced by writer Justin Michael, who also apparently voiced Kevin the Turtle and other miscellaneous characters like the Tiny Wizards and a friend of Amelia's in one of her flashbacks. Uh, another thing I have here is that the sound effect of the maze obstacles changing is the same one used in the Vault of Bones episode of Adventure Time when Flame Princess uses her heat sense to find the dungeon entrance. It's just a funny thing that apparently they just, I guess, had that already go on file because again Cartoon Network Association <laughs> uh, yep. in contrast to how voiceover sessions for Infinity Train were typically recorded in group sessions Grace's VA Kirby Harold Baptiste had a busy schedule and so episode 5 is actually the only one from book 3 that had the entire cast in the same booth to record together with, with her usually recording her lines separately huh. uh, yeah interesting that apparently she's always had her audio recordings not with everybody else uh, slightly related to that, uh, McCarley said that his recording of him telling as Simon telling Hazel he killed Tuba was incredibly difficult due to Isabella Abiera's performance as Hazel, which I'd imagine because she is actually yeah. a child, <laughs> playing a child, and I would imagine, oh, I'm playing an asshole, I feel really actually bad about this, <laughs> making this look kid sad. Uh, one other thing I saw noted here that I didn't actually notice back in the Jungle Car episode, but when we saw Tuba's nest in there, it had some claw marks on it, and people theorize that it's possible that Hazel, like, p potentially, like, maybe accidentally partially transformed at some point and made the claw marks without realizing it. Like, maybe in her sleep or something well, like that. I mean, that, that would track. Because, yeah, because, I mean, like, obviously Tuba wouldn't really be in a claw mark. She, she's a gorilla. She doesn't have claws. <laughs> that gorilla true but not as much as like claws in terms of like scratching something <laughs> up but the only thing i have is that it was initially planned to have grace have her gloves off during the part of the episode to showcase her number decreasing during the funeral but it was possibly changed to make it easier on the animation team or to prevent the number from distracting the audience during yeah. the funeral because it's a glowing number it would kind of detract a little bit of attention away from the funeral as a result <laughs> Yeah, that's all I really have. Okay. I mean, when it came down to it, we only had one new character introduced, and Roy is really nothing of a character. <laughs> so uh, it was mostly just little well, bits. Well, I mean, if you want to be annoying about it, we met like six different Roys. <laughs> True, and also technically we met all those pinecone people and whatnot, but again, I looked, they didn't have voice actors listed in anywhere, so couldn't list any of them. <laughs> uh, alrighty. Um, okay, well... I don't have anything else, so unless I'm forgetting anything, I think we are actually done. <laughs> yeah, I think now we're um, done. Yeah. <laughs> so if we should probably at least yeah, advertise. If yeah. you <laughs> have enjoyed this show, uh, you can find me at patch underscore jacket on Twitter or at nobody on co-host. Uh, I guess I am at nobody Adams on Discord because I have a Discord number to me. Um. <laughs> and yeah, I've seen zero people thrilled about that, especially with other people who are pointing out it's like actually they're just hiding the zero number from people, so people still have a number. It's yeah, just like a zero. I still see the zero <laughs> on my end; it's still there. Um, Weird, because I, I yeah, I don't see any on mine on my new username. I just see it as a username. But yeah, um, I am also on several actual play games uh, through All on the Table, which is done by the transverse uh every saturday at 3 p.m eastern time uh 
well, some game or the other is going, and I'm on two of them. I'm also on uh, Vigilantes Union Local 13 on the Trend Versus YouTube page, which is probably my favorite of them. Uh, the second episode of that just came out as we're recording this, so yeah, it's a fun time. Gay robots. Yeah. Gay robots. And I continue to still be at the underscore Oblivion on Twitter and just Oblivion on co-host. Again, at some point, I keep saying that I will figure it out. I will actually re-log into my co-host once I remember the login and password. Uh, yeah. Um, I unfortunately should also... I've brought, I brought, I've mentioned it occasionally on the Twitter, but I super cannot for some reason actually get access to the Twitter account on my phone. It's not just it's like a new phone thing, like I forgot the login. It doesn't think that the email associated with it exists anymore. Because Musk did not do a single fucking thing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and I, I know in particular what the email I used it for, because I also let you know what the email <laughs> itself was too. We both know what the login is, I just can't get it on my phone for some reason, because it doesn't think that login works anymore. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, when it comes to it, any of the tweets I need to send are always from my desktop computer, so they might be a bit yeah. slower, but that's how it is. We'll have to deal with it, because Elon Musk is a fucking toady and a dumbass. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think I got anything else. Alrighty. Well, then, until next time, there's not much left to say, but remember, us weirdos have, have to, to stick, stick together. together. Bye. Bye.